Family, you guys are excited this morning. How's everybody doing? If you can come in and, and take a seat, it is uh, it's vacation Bible school week. I can, I can feel the enthusiasm. Yeah, you guys are looking for me to pray. Yeah, <laughs> come up here. All right, so it is vacation Bible school week. It's an exciting week. Um, we have over 80 kids registered already as of last night, and we have a lot of volunteers and a lot of help, and so excited about that. And I can't think of a better way to begin Vacation Bible School Week than with baptism. Uh, and so that's right. And so I'm going to pray, and then, uh, and then Tucker is going to come join me in the water, and he's going to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we are excited about this week. Lord, all week long, we get to tell boys and girls about Jesus Christ, the very one who can save and redeem us from our sins, the very one that not only saves us, but radically transforms our lives. And Father, we get to begin this week by celebrating, God, your saving power and how you have saved and already begin to, begun to change Tucker's life. Lord, we heard his, his testimony and his story several weeks ago, and Lord, it was powerful, and you received all the glory in that. So Father, as he enters into these waters, as he publicly declares through baptism that he is dead to sin and alive through Jesus Christ, Father, we pray that you would receive all the glory and the honor. And if there's anyone here who has never made that decision to follow you in baptism, publicly, Lord, that this would convict them that they would decide to make that decision in their own life. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Tucker, if you'll come join me. This is Tucker Kearns. Many of you know Tucker. You have been a part of his story. And so you heard his testimony a couple weeks ago and his confession that was while at camp, uh, the Spirit of God got a hold of him, and he gave his life to Jesus Christ, confessing him to be Lord and Savior of his life. So before you follow him in baptism, would you just once again, will you make that confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and Lord and, and, Lord and Savior of your life? Do you believe that, Tucker? I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Amen, 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 amen. All right, brother. Based upon that confession of faith, I baptize you, my brother, Tucker, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. Amen, brother. Amen, man. Amen. Man, our God is good, and our God saves. And in just a moment, we're going to sing about our awesome God. Before we sing... Would you please stand and take a moment and welcome those around you, and then we'll worship together.
Hey, well, whenever y'all get through with fellowship, y'all can be seated. We're going to have a BBF presentation here, as I understand.
be seated. Aren't you thankful this morning for that endless mercy tree? Man, Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. Well, good morning and welcome to uh, Northside Baptist Church. It's already been a great morning, amen? Between the baptism and those four guys, four big kids up here. Now I'm thankful for technology, because while I was finishing getting ready, I pulled it up on the live stream and I was able to watch you guys, so... You're doing a good job back there, man. I appreciate the live stream, so uh, I was able to check it out. It was a little delayed, obviously, in the live stream, but it was good uh, nevertheless. Well, good morning. We're so thankful that you're here. I know we have some visitors with us, some guests. Uh, Thank you for being here to worship with us. Inside the bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself. When you leave the the cave back there, the doors, you'll see a box um, out there. You can drop that off in that box. We would greatly appreciate it. There's also a place for you to write down some prayer requests. If there's a way that we can be praying for you, uh, we want to do that. If you have any questions while you're here this morning, uh, don't hesitate to ask somebody. Um, And if they don't know the answer, then they'll find somebody who does. So again, we're so thankful that you are here with us. There's a lot going on, so I hope you're you're reading uh, the bulletin. Of course, VBS kickoff is tonight from 6 to 8. Um, you want to be here for that. We're going to have a lot of fun. Pray that the weather cooperates for us uh, late this afternoon and, and evening. Our seniors on Wednesday, July 14th, uh, you all are going to be going to Seabreeze Restaurant. Um, the sign-up sheet is out there in the foyer. If you're planning on going to that, please sign up uh, so that we know. Uh, meet here at the church at 11. Miss Iva um, is going to drive us on the bus, and so we're going to go and uh, have a great lunch and get to fellowship uh, together. Uh, at, the, at the end of the service, um, I'll give you some instructions, but we are going to have our special called meeting to vote on our associate pastor search team. And so um, after our deacon of the week closes us in prayer, ends the service, I'll give you some instructions uh, for our, our guests if, if you don't want to hang around, uh, and then for our members as well, and then we'll go right in to that. Our uh, praying the scripture this morning comes from Job 19. You are probably familiar with this verse, verse 25, uh, focusing in on, again, this idea of God being our redeemer. This is what Job says, for I know that my redeemer lives. Amen. Our redeemer lives. For I know that my redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth. So I'm just going to ask you to take a moment right where you are just to pray through that verse. It's on the screen. Maybe there's a particular part of that verse that just wants you to to prompt you just to praise God or or maybe um, to pray for somebody who does not know Jesus Christ as Redeemer and Lord and Savior of their life. So you pray uh, for the next minute or so, however the Lord leads you, and then I'll pray for us, and then we're going to worship together some more. God, we declare this morning with Job that our Redeemer lives. We have already seen that through the act of baptism. That through faith in Jesus Christ, we die to sins, die to our sins. And just as Jesus lives, so so we live. Father, that's a glorious truth this morning. That because of who we are 
not in of ourselves, but because of who we are in Christ and through Christ. Not only, God, have you raised Jesus from the dead, but Paul tells us we too have been raised from the dead and are now seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Jesus, all of the blessings that you have won for us through your death, burial, and resurrection are ours now. We thank you for saving us, for redeeming us, for changing us. And God, we believe that you are a God who still saves and a God who still redeems. So this morning, Father, we pray that if there's anyone here today that does not know you as Redeemer, has never confessed their sins and put their hope in Jesus, that today will be a day of salvation for them. That they would understand that no one else, God, is able to, There are no other redeemers out there. Jesus, only you can save. And that today they would put their faith and their hope in you. God, as we continue to worship uh, through song, remind us of the great blessing it is to sing praises to a holy, righteous God. And we do this only through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we claim that this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Let's continue to worship together.
you please remain, stand, remain standing if you're able and take your Bibles and turn with me to Ruth chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4. We're going to spend this morning and then next week in Ruth and then we will we'll wrap that up. And then we're going to begin to work our way through Ephesians. And full disclosure, it's probably going to take us a long time to go through Ephesians. Um, my mentality is one that instead of focusing on 15 verses and preaching in 45 or 50 minutes, as some do, I'd rather focus on 8 or 7 and preach it in 25 minutes, and then we just spend longer in the book. So uh, that's probably the approach that we will take. So we are in Ruth chapter 4. We're going to read through verse 6, but we're going to cover all the way down through verse 10. And This is the word of the Lord. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz... So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me that I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it. And I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. You may be seated. A young boy carried his new boat to the edge of the water. He carefully placed it in the water and slowly let out the string and how smoothly the boat sailed until a strong current caught the boat. The little boy tried to pull it back to shore, but the string broke and that little boat raced downstream and eventually out of sight. All afternoon, this young boy searched for the boat, but he couldn't find it. A few days later, on his way home from school, he spotted a boat that looked just like his in a store window. And when he got closer, he could see, sure enough, it was his boat. He hurried to the store manager. He said, sir, that's my boat in your window. I made it. Sorry, son, but someone else brought it in this morning. If you want it, you'll have to buy it for $1. The boy ran home, counted all his money, exactly $1. When he reached the store, he rushed to the counter. Here's the money for my boat. And as he left the store, the young boy hugged his boat and said, Now you're twice mine. First I made you, and now I bought you. As we come to Ruth chapter 4 this morning, we are going to see that redemption always requires paying a price. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. I, I want you to notice five things as we work through these verses this morning. Number one, I want you to notice the gate. I want you to notice the gate. Now Boaz, verse 1, had gone up to the gate and sat down there. Now what's Boaz doing? Well, if you go back to chapter 3, you remember that Ruth went to Boaz and basically said, Hey, I'm available for marriage. Will you marry me? Will you spread your wings or the, the corner of your cloak over me and be my redeemer? And remember what Boaz says? Well, there's actually a kinsman redeemer nearer than I am. 
And so the reason he goes to the gate is in essence to look for this man. He had told Ruth, he had promised Ruth, we'll get this matter resolved one way or the other. Now, why does he go to the gate? What's the significance of a gate? You may think of a gate as like a wooden gate on your, your fence, but that's not what the gate was in, in these days. The gate was the place where judicial business was conducted. So most of these cities were fortified cities. They had walls, and they would have a gate that you would walk through, and often right there in that gate would be like an open courtyard where people would gather, and they would conduct business. It was the official court. Citizens would gather at the gate for official business transactions and for the law to be administered. In Proverbs 31, right, this beautiful chapter about the godly woman, it says this, Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. That's what it's talking about. This, this, this man in Proverbs 31, this husband, sits among the gates. He does business in the gates. And so here is Boaz at the gate. But Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And I love this language. It's not the first time we've seen it. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. Right Here's Boaz sitting at the gate. And behold, surprise, here comes this other man, this other kinsman redeemer. Now, the author is intentionally using this language because the author wants you to understand there are no coincidences. This is the hidden hand of God. God is the one who brings along Mr. So-and-so, this, this man, so that Boaz and he can have this conversation. So it says, so, so, right, behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. Now, who is this guy? What's his name? Don't have a clue. We don't know his name. I think that's intentional on the author's part. Look at the language he used. It says, And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz has spoken came by, so Boaz said, Turn aside, friend. The Hebrew there, it's a Hebrew idiom. It just means my friend. This would be the equivalent of us, instead of saying Mr. Aaron, just saying that's Mr. So-and-so. He's unnamed. He doesn't have a name. The name is not important for this conversation. So we'll refer to him this morning as Mr. So-and-so. And here's what Boaz says. The ESV reads this way. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. Now, I like the ESV because it's a little bit easier to read than the King James Version. Some of you prefer the King James Version. I love the King James Version here in this verse. If you have the King James Version, this is what yours says. Instead of turn aside, friend, sit down here, it says, ho, such a one. Turn aside, sit down. Like I can just imagine, right? Boaz is there. Now, they don't speak English, but if he did, I'm sure he would have said, Ho, such a one, come sit down here. Like when I hear Ho, such a one, it sounds so much like Obi-Wan to me. Ho, such a one, Obi-Wan. Uh, so just, it's just funny. Just a little side note there. Ho, such a one, sit down. Look what it says. And he turned aside and he sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. The ten elders, in essence, serve as witnesses to a business legal transaction that's about to take place between Boaz and Mr. So-and-so. Now, some of you, in, in, in seeing this story and hearing this story, you go all the way back to chapter 3, when, when Ruth says, Boaz, in essence, marry me, be my redeemer. And Boaz says, but wait a minute, there's a closer redeemer. We need to get this situation resolved. And now he goes to the gate. Some of us are thinking, Boaz, don't go to the gate. 
Don't go to the gate. Just marry her already. Just redeem her. Mr. So-and-so may never find out about this. If you go to the gate, we always know there's a possibility that he'll want to redeem her. Don't go to the gate. Why does Boaz go to the gate? It's because Boaz was determined to do the right thing. Just a point of application. Always be determined to do the right thing. Even if the right thing might be harder or may cost you, do the right thing. So I remember when Lena was little, we used to say this to him, and, and now I'm saying it to Malachi. When we talk about what is obedience, what I say to him, Malachi, obedience is you do what we say right away with the right attitude. It's not just doing what we say. It's doing it right away, not doing it in 10 hours or whenever you get around to it, but also doing it with the right attitude. Just submitting to our authority and, and doing it. And so, right, here's Boaz, and, and he's doing the right thing, and he's doing it right away, and he's doing it with the right attitude. And so, when it comes to you obeying the Word of God or decisions you have to make, just, just do that. Do the right thing. Do it right away. Don't put it off. If God's calling you to do it right now, do it right now. And do it with the right attitude. Submissive to him, humble before him, and trusting in him. And so Boaz is at the gate. Number two, I want you to notice the land. And this is important, verse 3. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So notice how Boaz starts this conversation. He mentions Naomi, says nothing about Ruth, mentions Naomi, but then talks about this land that belonged to her dead husband Elimelech that she is now selling. Why does he start with the land? Because the land was extremely important in Old Testament times. In fact, the land was everything. You would live on the land. Your relatives would live on the land. You would harvest the land. You would feed yourself off the land. Your survival was tied to the land. But the reason the land was really important is because when the people of God enter into the land of Canaan, God says, this is my land. This is my land, and I'm giving it to you. So when you're reading through the Old Testament, right, and you come to Joshua, you come to Joshua 13. From Joshua 13 to 19 is sort of a boring read for a lot of us. Because what they're doing is they're taking this new land that God has given to them, and they're dividing it among the tribes. So the tribe of Judah gets a portion of land that's measured out. And within Judah, you have all the tribe, the clans, and so then the clans, the families, receive a certain portion of the land. And that land belonged to God, and it was always to belong to God. Therefore, you weren't just to sell that land to anyone. And if you came into a place where you became poor and had to sell their land, the Goel could come in and redeem the land and buy it back so it always stayed within that clan and stayed within that tribe. The land was significant. And so one of the roles of the Goel, right, we talked about last week, was to preserve the name but also to protect the property of families in Israel, to keep it within the tribe, to keep it within the clan. And so the Goel had the first right to redeem the land. And so Boaz, knowing this, knowing the significance of the land, comes to this man and says, hey, Naomi's selling this land, right? It belongs to our relative Elimelech. So I thought, verse 4, so I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not tell me that I may know, for there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, this is the kinsman redeemer, Mr. So-and-so, said i will redeem it four words in english two words in hebrew boaz is a good salesman he just sold this land in record time 
He came to the Redeemer, said, here's the land, belongs to Naomi, her dead husband Elimelech, it's yours. It's up for grabs. You want it? Yes, I'll redeem it. And we're like, Boaz, what are you doing? Like, you're after the girl, the girl's tied to the land, and you just sold the land. But Boaz isn't stupid. I don't know if I can say that from the pulpit. Sorry, kids. <laughs> Boaz isn't ignorant. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. He is setting up, in essence, the Redeemer. Because he says, Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his own inheritance. Daryl Block, in his commentary, writes, Gaining the rights to the use of Naomi's property was the key to winning the right to Ruth's hand. So to win Ruth's hand, you had to win the property. That's why Boaz starts by focusing on the land. So Boaz says to Mr. So-and-so, Hey, Mr. So-and-so, Elimelech, right, he has this property. You're a relative. Do you want it? Sure. Oh, wait, there's more. When you get the land, you get Naomi, his wife. He's dead. She's a widow. You get her. Oh, but wait, there's even more. Not only do you get the land and Naomi, but you also get Ruth, who's a widow. She has no kids, and she's from Moab. Do you want it? And what does he say? He was quick to say, yes, I'll redeem it until he gets all the details, all the, the disclosures in the contract. And then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. These are great words. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Mr. So-and-so, when presented the opportunity to purchase the land, said, yes, I'm all in. But when he realized it was the land plus Naomi plus Ruth, a Moabite widow, he's like, nope. I want nothing to do with that. You can have the girl. Why doesn't he want it? Because it says in the ESV, lest I impair my own inheritance. The CSB says, lest I ruin my own inheritance. The New Living Translation says, I might endanger my own estate. See, Ruth was still young. No doubt Ruth wanted not only a husband, but she probably wanted children. This man didn't want any part of that. He probably already had a wife and already had kids, and he had probably already promised his inheritance to these kids and to add in Ruth and then a mother-in-law and then possibly kids. Right? He wanted no part of that, and he knew that if Ruth had the first kid, the first kid had to take the name of Malon, which means the land he was going to buy back one day when Malon became older would become Malon's. And he wouldn't even end up with the land in the long term because, again, you were protecting the family in the land of that family. So Mr. So-and-so wasn't willing to pay the cost to redeem Ruth. He said, what will it cost me? It's too much, I'm out. But Boaz, he counted the cost. And he was still willing to redeem Ruth, no matter the cost. That leads us to the third thing I want you to notice, and that is the sandal. The sandal, verse 7. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal... And gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the land of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and to Malon. 
And Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. And we'll stop there this morning and cover the rest next week. So when we sign contracts today, right? You buy a house, you buy a car or whatever, right? You go in and you have a lot of paperwork. And man, you just sign in your name, right? And at times there'll be a notary and the notary will have to stamp a document as a witness. Well, apparently in these days, when you were going to finalize a contract, you didn't sign it. You took off your sandal and you handed it to somebody else. Fascinating. I kind of wish we did this today. It'd be more interesting, right? So here's Mr. So-and-so. I don't want it. I don't want a redeemer. I'm giving you the right. So he takes off his sandal and he hands it to him. It's a symbolic act and it's declaring to the elders and the witnesses, hey, he's, he's transferring over his right here, right? It says in, in verse 7, he's exchanging, redeeming, exchanging. He's transferring the right of redemption. And I just wonder, when you're walking down the streets, were there a lot of people walking with just one sandal? Like, it doesn't say they gave the sandal back. I assume he, kept, he keeps the sandal. I don't know, put it in the archives. I don't know what they do with it. So you're walking down the street, and right, Ryan's coming, and she loves flip-flops and sandals, and she's only got one on, and you're like, well, she just had a business transaction. <laughs> and then I wonder what people's closets look like. I don't know, just some things I thought about this week uh, in, in studying, right? So here's what's happening, though. Boaz has just finalized the deal. Just finalize the deal. And as the story plays out, we'll see next week, right, that they get married, they have kids, and all that God was doing behind the scenes will now be revealed. Right? He's finalizing the deal to redeem Ruth. So here, here's, what I, here's what I want to do the rest of our time. Number four, the fourth thing I want you to see is I want you to see the Goel. Right? That word Goel we talked about last week means kinsman redeemer. And I want to compare Mr. So-and-so and Boaz and I want us to think about a goel before we apply it to Jesus. To be a redeemer, you had to be three things. Number one, you had to be a relative. You had to be a brother or an uncle or a cousin or just a relative. You had to be related. If you were related, you could be a redeemer. So let's ask the question, was Mr. So-and-so a relative? Yes, Boaz knew that. That's why he goes to him. Was Boaz a relative? Yes, we learned that in chapter 2. Both Mr. So-and-so and Boaz are able to be the redeemer because they're related. But secondly, the Goel had to be able. Redemption cost a price. They weren't just giving the land away for free. You had to have the means and the resources to purchase the land. So does Mr. So-and-so have the resources? Obviously, because if he didn't, when Boaz said, hey, you want the land, he would have been like, sorry, man, I'm, I'm broke. I mean, I've got nothing, right? I can't buy it. So obviously he had the resources. Did Boaz have the resources? Obviously, yes, he did. Because if he didn't, when Ruth comes to him at night and says, hey, will you be my redeemer? He would have been like, uh, sorry, sweetie, I'd love to, but I can't afford it. Like, I can't, I can't buy the land. I don't have the resources. So, so hear me, Mr. So-and-so and Boaz, both were related, both were able. But then you had to have a third thing. You had to be willing. You had to be willing. Was Mr. So-and-so willing? No. Redemption requires paying a price. He was all in with just the land, but when Ruth came with the land, the cost was too high. He wasn't interested. Was Boaz willing? Yes, he was willing. What I love about Boaz is his character here. 
Boaz was not interested in his own inheritance or in his own name. He actually says, when he's talking to the elders, right? He says, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and to Malon. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon. Listen to this. I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate not my name, but the name of the dead. Right? In his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. He's not just thinking about Ruth, but he's thinking about her deceased husband, Malon. Man, this guy is an incredible guy. You want to be like somebody in the Bible? Man, be like Boaz. Be like Boaz, the Redeemer. But then that leads us to the last thing I want to focus on, and that is how Jesus is our Goel. Jesus is our kinsman Redeemer. Now, I want to ask three questions about Jesus, about the Goel. Number one, was Jesus a relative? Right, to be a redeemer, to be a kinsman, you had to be a relative. The answer is yes, Jesus Christ is a relative. It enables him to be the redeemer. How so? Take your Bibles and go to Hebrews chapter 2. This is so important. You ask, why do you all, why does the Bible place so much emphasis upon the incarnation? Upon this, this truth that, that Jesus is God, the eternal God, the second person of the Godhead who comes and he takes on flesh and he lives among us. Why does he have to be fully God and fully man? Well, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 15 speaks to this. It says this, Since therefore the children, that's us, share in flesh and blood. Right? We have flesh, we have blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things. That he there is Jesus. He, Jesus, likewise partook of the same things. Why? That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus Christ, our glorious eternal God, became a man. Entering into human history, he took upon himself human flesh to identify with us, to become our near kinsman. Jesus is our elder brother. So Boaz points us to Christ, our Redeemer. But Boaz and Jesus are not always alike. Because in the case of Ruth, there were multiple eligible Redeemers. Mr. So-and-so and Boaz. But when it comes to our salvation and our redemption, there is one Redeemer. His name is Jesus. It is not Jesus plus this God or that God, right? There is no God like Jehovah. There is no one who can redeem us out of sin, deliver us from sin, deliver us from the devil other than Jesus. And Jesus takes on the flesh takes on a body so he can be crucified, dying in our place for our sins and absorbing the wrath of God. He had to be a relative. Jesus is our elder brother, which means you are part of the family of God through Jesus Christ. And that's an amazing reality. But secondly, was Jesus able? So that's great, Pastor. He's a relative, but is he able to redeem me? Well, 1 Peter chapter 1 let me point out a di another difference between Boaz and Jesus. Verse 18, 1 Peter chapter 1 says this, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways, inherited from your forefathers, listen to this, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. How does Boaz redeem Ruth? Money. Right? He purchases the land. 
How does Jesus redeem us? He doesn't come and just drop a million dollars down on the table and say, hey, you're redeemed. No, what does Peter say? He redeems us not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. See, Boaz offers up the means, the financial means to purchase the land. Jesus doesn't offer up money. He offers up himself. He is able to redeem you. Not only is he able to redeem you, but he came for the very purpose to redeem you. But he came to seek and save the lost. But then there's a third question. Okay, so Jesus is the relative. He is able to redeem us, but is he willing? Right now, pastor, is he willing to redeem me? And the answer is yes. He is willing. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Yes, I read that correctly and you heard that correctly. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. How is there joy in going to the cross? Because Jesus knew what his death, burial, and resurrection would bring about for the very people that his Father created. It'd bring about their salvation and their redemption. Jesus was willing to redeem us. Jesus alone is able to pay the price for our salvation. He alone is able to redeem us, to set us free from sin and from death, from Satan and from ourselves. Church, this is why we do what we do. Because Jesus is a redeemer and he is still able to redeem So this week, we'll have 80-plus kids here on our campus for Bible school. And we're going to wear out our adults. Why do we do it? Because they need Jesus. And we believe Jesus can save. We believe Jesus can be their redeemer that he still saves today. We do upward. And I know it's a lot of time. But why do we do upward? Why do we pour into the resources? Because we believe those kids need to be saved. And we believe God can use many different avenues to save them. And our prayer is that God will save them through our loving on them and sharing the gospel with them. Why do we teach Sunday school? Why do we preach? Why do we do this? Why do we go on mission? Because people need Jesus And only Jesus can redeem them. That's good news. But church, the the best news is still to come. Because one day, our kinsman redeemer is coming. And when he comes, he's going to redeem the land. See, land isn't just significant in the Old Testament. It's significant for us today. See, you and I are waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ to return so that he can finish and complete his work of redemption, which also includes the redemption of the earth. So take your Bibles as we close here and go to Revelation 21. Revelation 21. I don't want you to miss this. Revelation 21, beginning in verse 1. Then I saw... A new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. And the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are true. Trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus Christ has already redeemed me. He has redeemed you, I pray. He is in the process of making us more like his son. But a day is coming in which that Jesus is coming for us. And when he comes, he's not just coming to make you be with God, he's coming to make all things new. He is coming to make the very creation He created that sin has marred and ruined. He is coming to restore it so that you and I will be able to live in His creation and we will know no sin and no pain and no toil and no heartache. He's making all things new. Church, the best is yet to come. Because we have one who is coming for His bride. Just as Boaz came for Ruth and redeemed her. Jesus Christ has redeemed us and He is coming for us. And here's the question for you. Do you know this Jesus? And Do you know this Jesus? Because one day you're going to stand before Him. I will stand before Him. And either you will experience Him as judge and all of His wrath will be poured out upon you for your sin which is rightly deserved or you will experience him as a gracious father who has already poured out his judgment upon his son Jesus Christ. And you will stand there because of the finished work of Jesus, knowing that for the rest of your life, for all eternity, in the new heavens and the new earth, you will sing the praises of your Goel, your kinsman redeemer. Do you know Jesus? And if you know Jesus, is he changing the way that you live your life? Close your eyes and, and bow your head. In just a moment, we're going to sing a, a song of, of invitation, a, a time of, of response. We're going to sing close to thee. This morning, would you say that you're close to Jesus? Would you say that you have a relationship with Jesus, that you know him as Lord and Savior of your life, that, that Tucker's confession that he dis- demonstrated this morning and displayed, that that is your confession? If that is not your confession, what, what's keeping you from confessing your sins and and declaring that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And right now, this morning, as the Spirit of God convicts you, will you make that profession of faith? I'll be here at the front if you need to be saved. If there's another decision that you need to make, I'll be here at the front. Maybe the Lord is just convicting you this week about a particular sin or something going on in your life. And as we sing close to thee, would that be your prayer? Father, I want to be close to you. And if there's any sin that is hindering that fellowship with you, Will you show me that sin so that I might confess it and repent from it? Father God, as we enter into this time of decision, time of response, oh God, may we we give you our hearts and our lives. May we acknowledge you as our Goel, our Redeemer, and may we seek to follow you. So, So thankful, ever grateful, God, for the work that you've done in our lives. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to sing together.
for a moment. Uh, Upward is about to start, and so Chris is going to come, and he's going to make an announcement about Upward soccer, uh, any instructions that you need to know, and then I'll have another uh, instruction for you, and then we'll close with a word of prayer. Obviously, we need volunteers. I see a lot of new faces. You may be wondering, where could you plug in? How can I serve? Upper Soccer is a great place to, to plug in and serve. I'm all for uh, confrontational evangelism, walking up to strangers and sharing the gospel, but uh, I also am for relational evangelism. This is kind of what you get to do with, with Upper Soccer. You get to, for 10 weeks, you get to share the gospel with 10 kids and their families. You get to know them and develop a relationship with them. Um, you may say, hey, I, I have no idea how to coach soccer. Guess what? We, we don't either. We, we've been doing it for years. Uh, you just tell kids to kick the ball in the net, and you just kind of do a lot of yelling on the sideline, and there's not much to it. So if you're willing to volunteer, either to coach or ref, or in some other capacity, man, we could use you. Uh, we're going to have an informational meeting on August the 1st, I think, after church. I'll, I'll remind you when that gets there. But if you're interested in participating, just let me know. Uh, or you can come to that meeting on August 1st. and. Uh, We'll do the evaluations first two weeks in August, and then practices will start, and it's uh, it'll go through November. So it's a it's a great time. It's also it's a great time of fellowship uh, as well as well as doing evangelism. So um, come on out, help us. Thank you. I will echo Chris. You don't have to know what you're doing to coach soccer. I coached soccer last year, and I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I think the kids had fun, and we. We won a few games, and so it was good. So, uh, but please plug in. If you are, again, if you're new here and you're like, how can I plug in? There are many different ways that you can get involved uh, with Upward, and so we want to encourage you uh, to do that. Um, so please look at your bulletin before you leave today. You're not going to leave yet because we, we have to go into our meeting in just a moment, but uh, I want to encourage you uh, to do that. Larry Smitherman is the Deacon of the Week, so he's going to come uh, close our service out with prayer. While he's coming, don't forget, it's Vacation Bible School Week. You see the shirts everywhere. Be here tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun. If you're not serving and you're not helping, uh, just be in prayer for us this week. Pray for good weather and for kids to be saved and kids will be taught about the gospel. So Larry's going to close us in prayer. When he's done, don't go anywhere yet. I'll give you some instructions and you'll have just a couple minutes before we go into our church conference. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, what a beautiful day for us to be in the house of the Lord this day, Lord. Thank you for uh, the message you brought to us through through Aaron. Lord, we pray that you would uh, just give us a uh, good weather week this week as we uh, go through our, our Bible school. Um, may you uh, prepare the hearts of those those little ones and uh, even, even the parents that bring them, Lord. Father, we just uh, pray that uh, all, all this week would go, go as you see fit. I uh, just pray that uh, you would uh, be with us as we go into our business mission and uh, business meeting. And as you uh, may, may you, we trust that you prepare the hearts of those on our on our committee. And, and Lord, the, the one that you would have coming forth as our youth pastor to work with our youth, Lord. Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. 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 Uh, so.